This is Express FM. Supported by Portsmouth College. We are passionately Pompey. It is a new era at Fratton Park. There's a new man down there in the dugout. What a goal! What a pass! A wonderful strike! Pure, unadulterated Pompey. When you come from Portsmouth and live in Portsmouth, you grow up wanting to play for Portsmouth. If I can lead the boys to success and lead the team out, that would be a real dream come true. Action and reaction. Such a massive club. I'm so, so happy to be a part of this, this journey and hopefully get this club to the next level and where it wants to be. Giving Pompey fans a voice. That's what makes this football club so special is the fans. I'm not a Portsmouth fan, but I'm an adopted one now. I love this football club. This is the Football Hour. Fans' interest in this division peaked a lot long time ago and it's stagnating. We've got to get out of this division and into the championship. A five-star display at Thratton, but it's not Pompey who achieve it. Wimbledon are driving forward and there's a chance of a fifth here. Wimbledon into the penalty area. Ball is squared. Al-Hamadi makes it five. Portsmouth are very much heading out. Wimbledon lead Portsmouth 5-2. The Blues are now fighting on just one front this season after being dumped out of the EFL Trophy in style on Tuesday night by AFC Wimbledon. We'll get full reaction to that midweek calamity, including the post-match thoughts of the gaffer. John Massinho reflects on the performance of his heavily changed side. We weren't at it. I don't think we were at it at all. And the most disappointing thing for me was the fact that we didn't react particularly well to going a goal down and going two goals down. So, just league matters to attend to now? That's something Joe Morrell has been speaking about in his pre-match interview with George Wedlake, which we'll hear between now and seven. Obviously wounded a little bit. Obviously it helps that it wasn't a league game because that is the focus this year. Tomorrow's visit of Fleetwood is our featured match to preview over the course of the next hour or so, during which John Massinho will be around to talk about the opposition. We're approaching it as we would any other game. We know that they're a dangerous side on their day. Of course, the league position isn't great at the moment and they're coming off the back of a few losses, but we watched their game of the weekend against Peterborough and they gave Peterborough a really good game. And as ever, we're providing a platform for you listening in from back home to get in touch and have your say on all things Pompey. Was Tuesday's performance a concern or are you happy to brush it off considering the amount of changes made to the starting eleven? Were there any players you thought did enough to stake a claim to be in the squad for tomorrow's league game? And speaking of which, what do you think the score will be when the Blues entertain Fleetwood at Fratton tomorrow? Get involved, 81400 is our text number. Start your messages with the word express. Email sport at expressfm.com, include at expressfm over on Twitter or head on over to facebook.com forward slash Live. It's Friday night, it's six o'clock. That means it's time for one thing and one thing only. You're listening to the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Good evening and welcome along to 93.7 Express FM, where tonight you're listening to the Football Hour. Brought to you once again by Stagecoach South, whose app you can download on iOS and Android devices for latest timetable information and to prepay for your ticket as well. Well, we've got plenty coming up on the show for you tonight between now and 7 o'clock, which sees the return of school days with none other than Steve Randall following the conclusion of our Pompey Natter. Seven goals to get through from the EFL Trophy action at PO4 on Tuesday night, and that is exactly where we start. John Massinho made nine changes to the blue side, victorious by three goals to nil away at Shrewsbury three days prior, with notable inclusions on the bench for the returning Anthony Scully from injury and Harry Jewett White too, eligible for the game despite currently enjoying a loan spell at Havens Waterlooville. A home tie against Oxford United in the round of 16 awaited for the winner of this one between Portsmouth and AFC Wimbledon. Andy Moon and Guy Whittingham were on hand to call the action. Everything we do is passionately pumping. A wonderful goal! Every second of the action is right here. Chilton scores! 
90 minutes of passionately Pompey commentary. He scored! This is... You want to believe it! Pompey Live. Devlin gives it away, and that's floppy. And Tatu is getting away from Devlin, and Tatu to the penalty area, and Tatu curls one into the net! And AFC Wimbledon have taken the lead. Devlin gave the ball away. Schofield should save it down to his left, but he didn't. And 11 minutes on the clock, Portsmouth nil AFC Wimbledon won. Stevenson gives it away, and Wimbledon have got a great chance for two, and they've put it wide. Charlie Lakin, he's done the hard bit. He just has to get it on target, and it's 2-0. And he's missed. And Wimbledon set Davidson away. And Davidson could be through here. Davidson against Schofield. 2-0. Towler couldn't close down the angle. And Davidson puts it through Ryan Schofield. And AFC Wimbledon have doubled their lead at Fratton Park. 4-0, AFC Wimbledon 2. In comes the Wimbledon corner. And Schofield only gets a hard to it. And it's put into the net. And Alex Pearce... Has he not been fouled there? Who could have been... Sent off over to go, has made it 3-0 to AFC Wimbledon, side-footing a volley, past the defender on the line, and Wimbledon find themselves 3-0 up at Frafton Park. Oh, he's giving it away. There's another chance for Wimbledon, and this time it's a great save from Schofield. Effort from Tilly, Schofield save down to his left-hand side corner to Wimbledon. Devlin to hit one from distance to send up to the box to Yengi. Yengi can't control it initially. And his shot is brilliantly cleared off the line by Lee Brown. Saves the goal there. Half one, half another. Still going cute. Now across in Yengi. Into the net. Portsmouth get one back. First chance, first goal. Cassini Yengi. A calm cushion header from an excellent Denver Cube cross after good work. And two minutes before the break, it's Porter's one, AFC Wimbledon three. Four in the wall. Pell steps up to hit it, and it gets to the net. Through or under the wall and past Schofield. Harry Pell has his second of the season. And AFC Wimbledon re-establish their three-goal gap. And it is just not Portsmouth tonight. Porter's one. AFC Wimbledon four. Wimbledon play themselves into trouble. And White has a chance. And Back into the game with a nice right-footed finish. Portsmouth two, AFC Wimbledon four. Oh, Wimbledon are driving forward and there's a chance of a fifth here. Wimbledon into the penalty area, ball is squared. Al Hamadi makes it five. Portsmouth are very much heading out. It's another mistake, isn't it? Yeah. Ellie Al Hamadi, 15th of the season. Wimbledon lead Portsmouth 5-2. Portsmouth have suffered their heaviest defeat of the season. The great defensive record we discussed before the game has just disappeared. In what ended up as a slightly ill-tempered game, Portsmouth have been well beaten by AFC Wimbledon, five goals to two. Every second of the action is right here. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. Well, there we have it then. The highlights there from Tuesday's 5-2 drubbing of Pompey by AFC Wimbledon in the EFL Trophy. Wimbledon will host Oxford United in the last 16 in January. Pompey out of the EFL Trophy as they are the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup too. Fighting now on just one front this season. 
one that probably means the most. League One matters between now and the end of April. Alongside myself to discuss the events of that midweek defeat to the Dons at Fratton Park. I'm delighted to say uh, over the white line presenter Henry Deacon. Henners, you were there with us at Fratton Park on Tuesday night. Um, were we expecting quite such a heavy defeat even with those changes? No, I think that was probably, you'd say if you're John Machine, probably the most disappointing defeat of the season. Look, we've lost games and look, we lost in another cup tie against a, a team from lower, lower division opposition in terms of Chesterfield. But it was an even game on the day and it was just that one mistake, which you can accept. But it felt like in the first half, and I mentioned it on Pompey Live on Tuesday, it felt like a basketball match where there was kind of a, a catalogue of errors from both sides, particularly in the middle of the park. But it was... Wimbledon they just managed to keep almost more than anything just to keep their composure in the first half hour or so and that was kind of the the telling difference and look we tried to get ourselves back in the game at the end of the first half but only those those three goals in the was it first half hour or so was kind of the the key difference in that one yeah it was 28 minutes when the Dons had gone 3-0 up through uh, Alex Pierce he brought it down in the box smashed it past uh, Ryan Schofield from close range following um, a flapped attempt from the goalkeeper to catch a corner. But we'll start off with the first goal, Henry. Aaron Sasu, he dispossessed Terry Devlin after um, what appeared to be from him a scuff pass. He attempted to get the ball back off him quite illegally in the eyes of the referee. Played advantage, Sasu. I think he attempted to curl it into the far bottom corner at that fratten end with his right foot. Schofield got a hand to it, but quite frankly, it wasn't strong enough. And when you look back at the replays, the shot didn't really nestle in the far corner. That's one the keeper really should be saving. Yeah, that's one of those. I think we, we kind of said it at the time, didn't we, when we we were watching the game that he's kind of got to parry that away, hasn't he? Um, you know, when you when you get a hand to it as a keeper at the highest level, you, you're kind of expecting to, to make the save, aren't you, and to, to see it away from your post. Um, look, there's probably a couple there, if we'd if we be perfectly honest, and I don't want to, want to hammer a player, but there's a couple from that game which he'll... He'll look at and probably want to, probably not want to watch again. Um, it, it was one of those nights that it was a tough evening, really, wasn't it? And I, I can imagine it's one as a manager you've just got to try and try and put the arm around. Um, it, it was to be honest, it was it was probably difficult to see someone have that type of night that he had, you know. And especially as a goalkeeper, you mentioned it on Tuesday, right? Goalkeepers don't get rested and rotated. You either get played or you get dropped. So when you get an opportunity, they come few and far between. And because it's such a heightened position, every single time that you play, that your scrutiny does as well. And ultimately, when you make an error as a goalkeeper, it by and large leads to a goal being given away. So yeah, it was it was a tough one for for Ryan. But look, this is where you need to have that strength in the changing room just to to put that arm around the shoulder and and look try and get him back. You know, we don't know how many, how many more times we could see him play this season because it's only the league to play for. But to put the arm around him because at any moment he could be called upon in in league action. So you need those characters in the dressing. Just put the arm around him and say, look, it happened. We move on. Um, and, and the next time, if we need him this season, he's he's there to be called up upon. Uh, Ryan Stilwell on Twitter, of course, a former colleague of ours here on Pompey Live, saying no more cups, no more distractions, nothing else in the way now. Just a mammoth 25-game gauntlet between us and promotion. Bring it on, uh, Ryan Stilwell there on Twitter. And before we go through um, even more events from the game, Henry, because quite frankly, there's six more goals to talk about uh, on the show tonight. Um, what Ryan says there um, on Twitter, just now a 25-game gauntlet to look forward to between the end of between now and the end of the season. Sorry, the bread and butter this season for John Massinho's side, as I'm sure 99 percent of the fan base will tell you, is League One. So, despite the defeat, whether it comes as a one nil or a five two defeat, is it one that, as a Pompey fan, actually concerns you too much, or will there be elements of that game that do 
bring a little bit of worry heading into the next few league games? Not worry in terms of the performance side. I think maybe the one concern is I know people have their have their opinions on the EFL trophy and they're totally valid to have them. But the one thing you do get is is opportunities for fringe players. So the longer you're in it, there's more chance, there's more minutes for players because, look, we don't know when people have to come in and out as the season goes on. So from that perspective, yes, it's, it's one that's disappointing to lose. But what it means now is this season comes down to, to two words and two words only. No excuses because there's nothing else that there's, there's a distraction it's 25 games in the league to get you promoted, which is ultimately the aim at the at the beginning of the season. And, you know, for, for some of these squad players, it means the next time they get drafted in, most likely it's going to be in the pressure cooker. There's not going to be any games like this where you can try things out. It is 25 games. It's a gauntlet, as Ryan says, to the end of the season. And and there's no excuses now. It's one job and one job only. It's, it's to get promotion to the championship. And there's there's nothing in terms of other games, other fixtures, other competitions that's going to, that's going to stop Pompey from that. 11 minutes was the uh, time on the scoreboard when Wimbledon took the lead at Fratton Park on Tuesday night. Uh, in all honesty, it could have been two, potentially three, come the 16th minute, two big let-offs from Pompey. More mistakes being made in the centre of the field. Uh, then on the 23rd minute, uh, the advantage was doubled for the visitors. Terry Devlin giving them the ball away to Charlie Lakin. He fed through Josh Davison uh, for around about the halfway line has so much space on the left-hand side and the striker put it past Ryan Schofield. Five minutes later, it was Pompey 3, Wimbledon 0. Alex Pierce, as we mentioned earlier, uh, volleying in from uh, quite close range, about four or five yards out. Uh, Ryan Schofield had previously tried to attempt to catch the corner, um, but had dropped it straight into the path of the Wimbledon captain. Two minutes before half-time, Cassini Yenge had headed in Denver Hume's cross from the left-hand side uh, to make it Pompey 1, Wimbledon 3 at the interval. And Henry, at that point, you thought that maybe some hope had been given to John Massino's side. Well, in fact, the goal came right on the cusp of half-time. And look, we can't make any bones about the first-half performance. It was below pie. It was below standard. And look, everybody knows that. But you get that goal back at half-time. And you've still got something then to salvage. You get to go into the dressing room. You've just got your tails up. Wimbledon have just had a little bit of a reality check. So you can go in half-time. You can reassess the situation. He made that change at half-time. He bought Skull and didn't want to go too crazy, too quickly. And I understand that, considering the, the consequence of the competition. But you're hoping then, reaction. Start of the second half, first five minutes. You attack in the front and then you try and go straight at it. You know, first five minutes, impose yourself on the game. But the exact opposite happened at the beginning of the second half. And I, and I think the fourth one, I know we'll get onto it in a second, but I think that's the one that John Machino will be the most angry about on Tuesday night. The fact that they had the chance to go back in, regroup at half-time, make that change, try and impose themselves on the game, and they then get themselves free behind again. And from that point onwards at 4-1, for me, that was game over. Luke Ellis says, uh, thrown together team, playing in different positions, lack of match fitness and game time. If these things happen, can genuinely focus now on the league, which is good. We'll need a few new signings in January. A goalkeeper, centre-back and an attacking player slash forward need to keep what we have as well. Uh, Luke Ellis there on Twitter. And I know, Henry, a few moments ago, you don't want to keep sort of banging the drum against Ryan Schofield. But let's be real, three or four big mistakes on, on Tuesday night. A goalkeeper looking really lack of confidence in the January transfer window, does John Massino need to explore the potential of getting a backup goalkeeper in? Because if the worst were to happen for Will Norris, be it a suspension or injury, because that would be a totally pompy thing to happen, um, is Ryan Schofield up to standard to be continuing this sort of push for promotion in the league? I think if Ryan Schofield himself, maybe he could he could do with games. So maybe potentially looking at bringing in a number two keeper, maybe send him, send him out on loan. 
Um, look, we've seen how many times in the past that if you use the loan market effectively, does a player come back better? So possibly, maybe for, for his own sake, forget Pompey's sake, for his own sake, maybe go and get some minutes, build up some confidence, because, look, that's going to hurt. That is really going to sink. And look, I don't want to keep banging the Schofield drum, because because ultimately, right, you, you get very few opportunities as a goalkeeper to, to go out and impress, and, and they're the ones that get scrutinised more than anybody else on the football pitch, even more than strikers. So, you know, maybe for his sake, maybe getting a loan, maybe at National League level, or maybe maybe bottom half of League Two level, uh, build up some experience, get some more gains, build up the confidence, and look, and then then you try and look at it from the long sale perspective in the fact that you can then possibly look at somebody who can provide long term long term opposition for that number one spot. So you know, I think maybe for him it might be a case of just go and get some minutes elsewhere. But then, but then you ask that question: where do you get the the viable backup option from? Because if you know one thing about goalkeepers is good number ones don't sit on benches. So you need to find mm. someone who'd be a a competent number two. We're going to talk more about the second half in just a few moments' time, but let's now get some reaction from John Massinio himself, speaking after the game on Tuesday night to Andy Moon. John, not your night. What's gone wrong for your team? I think plenty. Plenty went wrong. Obviously, um, I think conceded the first goal, giving the ball away. I think the first two goals we conceded, giving the ball away, the third, obviously, from a set piece. And, yeah, we just weren't we weren't at it. I don't think we were at it at all. And the most disappointing thing for me was, was the fact that we didn't react particularly well to, to going a goal down and going two goals down. I thought we had a good spell when we got back into the game at 4-2 but but apart from that yeah it wasn't the most pleasing of displays so uncharacteristic defensively compared to what we've seen in the league recently yeah and it's tough because we had a, um, a back four that was was sort of pieced together uh, if you look at it across the back four obviously we asked Joe to play as a centre half and I, I thought Joe was um, absolutely fine tonight uh, Joe Rafferty so we asked him to, to do a shift there um, obviously Denver's coming in having not played a huge amount of minutes so I think there's plenty that you can forgive in terms of players coming in and not having the um, sort of game time we'd have liked them to have coming into it but uh, yeah we obviously conceded um, far too many goals and they probably quite a few other chances as well that the AFC could have um, extended the lead. What was the thinking team selection tonight? Well, it was, you know, it was the focus is for us on the league and I think we'd had a, a relatively heavy period coming out of the, the last four games. We had three of those being away games, uh, the travel to Burton, Northampton, to Shrewsbury and I think with the sort of heightened emotion of Monday night and the, the workload that the players put in, I just thought it was best to, to not risk anything, make sure we could rest as many players as possible. Uh, we could do that for the most part. There were a couple we couldn't. And so, yeah, the other thing is is that the, the group of players that, that played tonight had actually got us here as well. And I thought they played really well in the, in the opening three games, especially against Leighton Orient and, and Gillingham. So I thought fully deserved a chance to, to continue the good the form in this in this cup, which is part of the sort of post-match that um, I just spoke to the players about now. Uh, the reason I think I can demand a lot higher standards than that is because I've seen it with uh, that group of players and I've seen pretty much all of those individuals as well come into the league side and play really well um, at times as well. No Tom Larry tonight, where was he? Yeah, we're just protecting Tom. Um, nothing nothing major, but he just felt his calf in training, unfortunately, on, on Friday. So just making sure we, we protect him. We don't want to um, make anything uh, worse than it uh, already is. How positive to see Anthony Scully back out in there tonight? Yeah, I mean, that was one of the positives of the night. Obviously, Skull's back out there after such a long layoff. It's going to take him a bit of time to, uh, to get his match sharpness back. And that was a big part of it, a big step going uh, 45 minutes uh, today. So that's, uh, that's what we need to progress upon. And yeah, very, very positive, I think, to, to see him back out in the Portsmouth shirt. Is it a positive now that you can just focus on the league? 
To be honest, I think if we'd have if we'd have got through, I wouldn't have seen it as a negative because I think it's quite useful for the squad players to have that extra game. So I don't want to lie and say, oh, it's this massive, massive positive that we can go and focus on the league now. Of course we can, and that is our sole focus, and, and hopefully it'll turn out right. But I did think prior to the game, and, uh, and I still think now we had the squad to be able to compete in this competition as well. Blues head coach John Massino there talking to Andy Moon on the touchline shortly after his side were knocked out of the EFL trophy by AFC Wimbledon in midweek. Jordan on Twitter saying not overly fussed about the result, but some of those individual performances were beyond woeful. And that isn't including the youth players. Jordan there with his thoughts on Twitter. Going back through the events of the game, Henry, we spoke prior to that interview about maybe the goal right before halftime. Brilliant delivery from Denver Hume on the left-hand side, by the way. Cassini Yengi getting his head to it. Um, it took just three minutes for Wimbledon to extinguish any of those hopes in the second half. Harry Pell uh, scoring directly from a free kick went underneath the wall and into the near post of Ryan Schofield. It was Joe Rafferty who had given that free kick away. Um, an ideal time to score right before the break, but a less than ideal time to concede right after it. So everything good that you kind of could have salvaged at the first half was completely undone at the, the beginning of the second. And, and also, it's not just... The, when we dissect Tuesday, it's not just what happened, it's why it's happened, which is why we have to delve into such detail. I mean, as a defence, you pride yourself on not conceding from set pieces. You know, you look at good defences that go and win leagues, they go and win things. You don't see many you don't see many goals conceded from free kicks and you don't see many goals conceded from corners. Uh, you, look, you give away a free kick, look, that happens. It, it wasn't a great foul to give away, but that happens in a game. But the fact that, it, you know, for me, it, it's more the fact that Yes, you concede a free kick, but it's the money you concede a free kick. It's a low drilled effort. There's not really enough pace or enough power in there to to say it was unstoppable. I think you, you look at your both phases from from the wall defensively and from the goalkeeper. There's 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 two lines of defence there that have been breached, which you you look back on upon the replay and say probably shouldn't, and and that'll be disappointing for for John Machino, and and especially when you're when you're a defensive, you know, manager as a defender, you you know that's what you would have priding yourself on in your playing days is not conceding free kicks, not not conceding well, effectively an unforced error and, and that was exactly what Pompey did there and then you find yourself 4-1 down and, and at that point you, you're out of the game, you're out of the contest for me. A night of mistakes for Pompey on Tuesday night. Then just go quickly through the uh, last two goals. Then on the 58th minute, Pompey uh, brought another goal back, making it Pompey 2, Wimbledon 4. Gavin White with his, his right foot after Terry Devlin. Some great persistency to keep the ball into play, uh, dispossessing a Wimbledon defender, teeing up Gavin White inside the 18-yard box. But on the 89th minute, just a few moments before the end of the game, uh, Ali Alhamadi had made it Pompey 2, Wimbledon 5, rounded off by the substitute. He was provided essentially a tap-in with an open goal. Uh, Ryan Schofield had come across to try and uh, save, but it, it went right underneath him. And that was the the seventh and final goal of a thrilling game at Fratton Park on Tuesday night. Pompey dumped out of the EFL trophy. One final question then, Henry, before we do go into the ad break. Uh, where does John Massino's side go from here? A big game tomorrow afternoon against Fleetwood in the league, of course. The Blues are seven points clear of second place Peterborough. They will be top at Christmas. Important to not let Tuesday's result and the performance get you know into their heads too much. Perspective is everything, and look ultimately in terms of the priority list. And this is no disrespect to the EFL Trophy; it was right down the bottom of it. But it doesn't discredit that there's probably some 
not alarm bells, but there'll be some things about their performance on Tuesday which has raised some questions. But I don't think that's anything that can't then be solved on the training pitch on Thursday. You know, maybe you know, maybe a bit of a tougher session, looking at maybe shape and and some things like that. Maybe not so much for the first eleven, but but those who played on on Tuesday, because look, this is a busy time of year. You got games coming thick and fast, and and a lot of these players will at some point have a role to play. Look, every single player in that that squad is going to have a, an opportunity over the Christmas break to, to to show themselves at some point because of the sheer number of games and, the, you know, the travelling that's got to be done as well. So, um, look, I don't think it's panic stations. I think what it does do is it gives the gaffer the opportunity to learn upon certain things and to, to, to see where things can be improved. It, you know, they're all tweaks and they are major stuff, but tweaks nonetheless when you judge a team by high standards that, that have got to be sorted out. Henry, thank you, mate. Don't forget, Blues fans, if you want to have your say tonight, you can. Get in touch using the text. Send those to 81400 and start with the word express. Email sport at expressfm.com. Tweet using at expressfm or visit facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. I want to know your score predictions for tomorrow and also what kind of Pompey-related presents you'd like to see under your tree this Christmas. Right, we're off for a few moments now, but when we come back, we're going to be moving on to look ahead to an arguably bigger game than the one we saw on Tuesday night. Fleetwood Town make the long journey down this weekend as the Blues return to League One duties. Midfielder Joe Morrell has been speaking ahead of that one and the kind of message he sent out to his teammates after Tuesday's setback in the trophy. I've learned as I've got older to try not to get too high and try not to get too low and I still find that difficult. Obviously, the younger you are and the, and the more inexperienced you are, the more difficult that is. So maybe, yeah, I'd, I'd a few words for lads after the game and try not to make sure they were too down because you know they've been really good for us this year and it's important they know that. More on that as well as from myself and headers too with Fleetwood fan Ben Knappman joining us shortly as well when the Football Hour is back for part two in just a few moments time. Don't go anywhere. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. The new Stagecoach Flexi 5. A bus ticket that works when you do. For those who travel often, but not every day. These new flexible bus tickets are available as Flexi 5. Bundles of 5 day riders for the price of 4. And Flexi 10. Bundles of 10 day riders for the price of 7. Flexi tickets are now available to download via the Stagecoach bus app. Download Flexi 5 or Flexi 10 from Apple App Store or Google Play today. For more information, visit stagecoachbus.com. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Welcome back to the Football Hour here on Express FM, driven to you this season by Stagecoach Across the South. Find out more over at stagecoachboss.com. Yes, good evening. Welcome back to the show. You've got myself, Jake Smith, Henry Deacon, and very shortly, Ben Knapman, too, Fleetwood Town fan, will be coming on the show to preview the visit of the Cod Army tomorrow at Fratton Park. But before we do that, just drifting off a little bit away from what we've seen on the pitch over the last few days, Henry, I want to talk a little bit more about Ronan Curtis. It was announced last week, or towards the end of last week, that he wouldn't he would not be a Portsmouth player any time soon. Of course, there were question marks over the last couple of months. He did not agree to a new contract come the end of the last campaign. We believe there was one put on the table for the Irishman after five years at the club. He, of course, at the moment recovering from an ACL injury. Uh, nothing was agreed. He has been training with the club since the start of the campaign, helping with his rehab. But yes, last weekend, Ronan Curtis had put a statement out on social media thanking the club and the supporters for a fantastic five years on the South Coast. Um, 
Your thoughts on that, Henry, because someone who's been at the club for so long, between 2018 2023, um, won the EFL Trophy, of course, at Wembley in 2019. Plenty of goals, over 180 appearances in the league as well. Um, but also not shy of any controversy during that five-year stint too. Yeah, it was quite the it was quite the spell, wasn't it? I think it was a shame the way it ended. The fact that a the ACL injury and that that's a horrible injury. Well, it's the worst one really for for any player to have, and it you know that completely stops you in your track. And and then obviously you know the way it's ended midway through a season, um, he he announces he's going. So from that perspective, it's a shame that that has to end for, for any player. But um, let alone somebody who look, when he came here that first season, he absolutely. Set Fratton Parker like he put in some amazing performances and he, he kind of became a fan's favourite, didn't he? Right from the the get go. But then I say he, it was it was very much a, it was a spell where it, you know he had his highs and, and and he had his lows and you know that that that's been well well documented in the past. But uh, one thing we always knew from from Ronan is he always had that little bit of magic and he could always change the game on a pinhead. Um, you know those runs that he can cut inside in his left foot. You know he he had those magic moments in him, and and one thing he he gave was was absolutely everything. Uh, he wore his heart on his sleeve, which for for some fans was the reason why they loved him, and maybe sometimes why he got a little bit of slack from from others as well. But um, look, one thing you can say is his contribution is a is is an EFL Trophy win, two appearances in the playoffs. A good FA Cup run as well. So look, he leaves the club with uh, a lot of memories. Leaves there with a very good track record, and and it'd be interesting to see where the future goes. I know he's at, at the minute training at, at Wimbledon. Look, training at a club doesn't always lead to signing to a club, as as I know from my times working in football. But um, I, I think the next club that get Ronan, if they can get him fit, they can get him firing. Will will have a very dangerous play on their hands. That's for sure. Mm. Signing in May 2018, that was when Pompey agreed a deal uh, with Derry City for a transfer fee in the region of £100,000, an initial two-year contract. Made his debut in the Football League at Fratton Park on August for fourth that year, uh, playing before 90 minutes and a 1-0 win over Luton Town. And then a week later, scored his first two goals in a 2-1 win away at Blackpool. Of course, we mentioned there winning the EFL Trophy with Pompey in March 2019, uh, beating Sunderland 5-4 on penalties after a two-all draw at Wembley. And then in August 2019, uh, Rona Curtis scored the first goal of a new season that year in a, in a thrilling three-all home draw with Cardiff City. During, of course, about five-year spell, plenty of interest from championship outfits, including at the time Blackpool, Cardiff City as well. Blackburn Rovers were uh, said to be interested at one point too. Ronan Curtis stayed loyal to Pompey and remained with the League One club, of course, as Henry Luther to there. Didn't end up helping the Blues to promotion. Uh, many of factors can be uh, described as to be the reason for that. Um, but you mentioned there, Henry, training with Wimbledon reportedly over the last couple of weeks. And that looks like it's going to be the destination for Ronan. Rumours on Tuesday night that he was actually on the bench for the Dons. Not a named substitute, but actually on the bench, um, incognito or trying to be on incognito. Nothing confirmed or concrete with that. But a couple of fans saying they, they reckon they saw him. Um a League Two move for Ronan Curtis. We we talk about the potential that he had and and how much of a commitment he made to to Portsmouth over that tenure. Is League Two a bit of a step down for him, or do you think, given the extent of the injury, that's a, a decent level to get him back up to that kind of fitness? Well, the thing is, because of the injury that he's had and he's at he's out of contract. Effectively, he's a free agent. I think a lot of clubs have, are going to do their their due diligence, and there's going to be a, a lot of question marks as to how quickly they can get up to speed. Look, if you're going to sign a player at this stage of the season, you need them to 
you need them to get up to speed very quickly. So for the for the demands of League One, there might be one or two clubs that see that and and, and maybe think, right, that might be too much too soon. Whereas maybe a, a club like Wimbledon, who are in a good space in League Two, seventh from the table, playoffs at the minute, um, are looking to push higher, but maybe could do one or two bodies come in, but maybe don't want to rock the squad as much. Maybe that would, that would work out better off I think it's the type of level as well where and look when you come back from an injury like that and and, and I've been speaking to, to to a friend of mine who's just come back from a, a similar injury it's not a case of you can just go back out there straight away and click it it can sometimes take about six months to get back playing properly so maybe a move at that level have six months to the end of the season look you ain't gonna play every week but maybe get enough minutes just to rebuild yourself and then get a good pre-season under your belt you know this sometimes can be an injury where it's an 18-month process to get back to to where you want to be and, and, and I don't know at the stage of his career that he's at time may not be of a, a, a commodity but it's, it's going to be a case of building blocks for him you know when you when you come back from a an injury as severe as that right going to move on now to look ahead to Pompey's next league one encounter Fleetwood Town are the visitors to Fratton Park tomorrow afternoon and on a Bit of a twist tonight. We've got an opposition fan calling in to give their thoughts ahead of the game. Fleetwood supporter Ben Knappman, otherwise known as Nappers from Cod's Vlogs, joins us on the Football Hour. Ben, cheers for joining us. How would you assess Fleetwood's season so far? It's a Fleetwood season, then. It's been a bit of a disaster so far from, you know, drawing the opening day at Carlisle, which seemed like a good point against a side that you knew was going to be down there with you from you know, them coming up last season via the playoffs and also the style of the game. After that, a defeat at home to Cambridge, and then Scott Brown losing five in a row, getting potted. Lee Johnson coming in in an international break, losing 3-0 on his opening day. However, after that, he did turn around, but since six defeats, no goals in six and a half games, and in the bottom four, we've not been out of it since the second game week of the season. So it's been a bit of a disaster, really, and results need to pick up, goals need to pick up, but injuries keep happening, and the squad can't get a run of the green at the moment. And two sides heading into this weekend's game, Ben, on completely different sides of the spectrum in terms of form. Pompey with four league wins in a row without conceding, whereas Fleetwood coming into the game off the back of four consecutive league defeats and six in all competitions, all without scoring a single goal. Is this the perfect recipe for a Christmas miracle? Or as a Fleetwood fan, are you worried for what might come for your side on Saturday? Playing Portsmouth is always a pleasure. It's a good football club that I... I'll, I'll admit, hold a soft spot for. It's an incredible fan base and, again, an incredible place to go and play football. And Fleet would have struggled to play football and struggled to show themselves what better place to play than at Fratton Park. If you can't play at Fratton Park in Skybet League One, where can these footballers go and play? Because it's a chance to go and put yourself in a shot window and also show your best game in front of 19,000 supporters in an unbelievable stadia. Portsmouth are a good side. It's going to be a tough game. There's absolutely nothing to lose and absolutely everything to gain. With the injuries and the form that we are in, it's all on Portsmouth. They've got the pressure on them. Seven points clear at the top of the table and it's them that have to come out, fight and get three points and get into Christmas with only one defeat in 33 since the beginning of March. Ben, thank you for now. Do hold tight, though, because we'll be back with you in a bit. But first, let's hear some pre-match thoughts from within the Pompey squad. George Wedlake caught up with Joe Morrell at the Blues training facility earlier in the week, ahead of tomorrow's visit to Fleetwood. First asking what the mood is like within the camp after a rare defeat in midweek. I think it's been good. I think, obviously, wounded a little bit. Um, Obviously, it helps that it wasn't a league game because that is the focus this year. I think 
it was obviously a difficult game for all involved, but I don't think you can judge those boys individually because I think, you know, they've all, pretty much all of them have come into the team this year in the league and been really good. Um, I think it is difficult when they're all thrown together for games like that, which um, which does make it difficult to perform, of course. I think that the boys that played will be the first to tell you that it was probably the, below the standards that we've set. Um, but yeah, I don't think any blame can be attached to them individually because they've all been excellent members of the squad this year. Um, some of them have played 20 games, some of them have played one or two games, but they've all been equally important to us um, and I'm sure they will be for the rest of the season. And as a first team regular, um, with the more, you know, the players that are kind of looking to break into the starting eleven each week, the ones that we saw, when they feel that the game may not have gone their way, they might not have, it might not have been their day, do you kind of take it as a personal responsibility to pick them up? I think it's something that we can do as, as more senior players. Um, I think that's always important. I think I've learned as I've got older to not try not to get too high and try not to get too low, and I still find that difficult. Obviously, the younger you are and the, and the more inexperienced you are, uh, the, the more difficult that is. So maybe, yeah, I'd add a few words of lads after the game and try not to make sure they were too down because, you know, they've been really good for us this year and it's important they know that. Uh, but it's also important that they know that we've got 25 games left this season and they're going to contribute in those Um and they're really important to us and, you know, it's a, it's a bump in the road for them individually the other night, but it's certainly not. I think if, if we get to the end of the season, we achieve what we want to achieve, um, you know, they certainly won't be bothered about being knocked out of the Bristol Street Motors by uh, AFC Wimbledon. Um, you faced a couple of games out recently due to suspension, uh, but, you know, straight after that two-game ban was served, you were straight back into the starting lineup with the team playing so well. How does that feel, you know, knowing the manager's got that faith in you? Yeah, and I've, I've got a good relationship with, with the manager. Um, I think hopefully he sees what I bring to the team, um, you know, not just technically, but I think um, from, a, from a mental and a, and a personality perspective, um, and of course, when you're out of the team and the boys are doing really well, which is exactly what you want, um, you know, you think, oh, maybe I have to sit this one out, or which would have been completely understandable if I didn't play that Bolton game. I would have, you know, I wouldn't been no complaints from me because the boys did excellently against Burton and especially Northampton. So, um, of course, it's nice that the manager's got faith in you, um, but you know, I'm, I'm here to, to help Portsmouth win in whatever capacity, and so. Obviously, the manager picks the team that, that he feels is best to, to go and win. Um, if I'm in that, great. If I'm not, then I'll help the boys who are. Um, Marlon Pack recently out too, but you both back played along, alongside each other again. How is that for you, you know, you two in the middle? Yeah, he's someone who I've got a really good relationship with, known him for a number of years now. Um, you know, there was no one happier than me than when I found out he was signing for the football club because I knew what he'd bring on the pitch, of course, and I think people have seen that, but off the pitch as well, he's, he's been great for us. Uh, a real leader of the group, which is what we needed at that time. Um, and I think his performances on the pitch have gone from strength to strength as well. I think we can complement each other um, because we both understand each other's games so well, and especially with Robbo as well. I think you've got three footballers who can handle the ball there, and um, that's not always the case at this level, I don't think. So, um, you know, our intention is to dominate every game, and obviously that starts with the midfield. Um, and we just need to continue doing that, I think. Next up, Fleetwood Town come to Fratton Park. What are your expectations for that one? Yeah, I think we all know um, any game in this division is, is not an easy one. It's a manager I've had before, so I know exactly what he's about. Um, I think they're a team that um, you know, they've picked up a few injuries and suspensions, etc., but they'll still be difficult. We've seen that in previous years. I remember going 3-0 down to Fleetwood two years ago. 
Um, and I don't think they're too much better than they were then, to be honest. So, um, you know, we know it's going to be a tough game. We'll be prepared for, for the strengths that they have, but also try and impose ourselves on the game, which is always the intention, and to make sure we're the aggressors and the one in the ascendancy, especially at home, and to try and dominate the game as much as we can. And we were speaking, Henry, before that interview there uh, with Ben Knappman, supporter of Fleetwood Town. Speaking about their start to the season, we've gone through their, their form and later in the show, we're going to really dive into the, the names and the numbers behind Lee Johnson's side. But you look at them currently, six defeats in a row in all competitions, no goals scored. When you compare that to Pompey, casting aside, of course, Tuesday's defeat me of our trophy, four league wins in a row without conceding a goal. This should be and I say should with an asterisk, should be an easy win for Pompey, no? Where have we said this before? <laughs> every, every week. Every week, yeah. But it, it, it surprised me with Fleetwood because you look at you look at everything they've got at their disposal and, you know, they've got, they got decent enough back in terms of investment and that and they've been in this league for a long time now. What surprised me is they haven't kicked on yet, you know, in, in, in the same vein that the other sides like them have, have in the past. Um, you know, they're an established team at this level. They've been more than competitive. They had some good managers come through the door, but it's just not quite worked out. And and it feels like they're because they haven't kind of struck while the iron's hot. That they're that they're sort of a club that are kind of tiptoeing in, in the wrong direction. And and if they're not careful, could find themselves sleepwalking their way into into League Two. And I think now they've become an established club in League One. They've become a big commodity for that particular division. Look, they they bought in Lee Johnson, a man who knows this level inside out, had a very good record at Sunderland. Um, so look, he knows he knows what it's all about, but it's going to be a difficult one for them. Um, look, I think any side like them will go to fat and part of this season. We'll see a point as a good result. They'll probably camp in a little bit. We have you know maybe soak up a little bit of pressure, but by and large, we're probably going to have to break down a very stubborn defence tomorrow. Um, you know, they'll be happy with a nil-nil, take a point, run, happy Christmas. Ben, from an outsider's perspective, I know you also take a keen interest in each of the other 23 teams in League One and have produced some great content over the years away from the club you support. So what's impressed you the most about Portsmouth's efforts so far this season? I think it's a real togetherness at Portsmouth that I really like. It's players that not necessarily would get into all the top teams, but it's players that are good players at this level. Paddy Lane is someone that I hold a high regard for, should never have been sold at Fleetwood, and that's a, a fault of the manager at the time. The, the likes of Colby Bishop, who was the action and did really well there, Portsmouth managed to sign. The Regan Pools is, is an unbelievable signing. The Norris, again, he's a shrewdly one signing with plenty of appearances. Shotnessy, Joe Morrell, Marlon Pack all had experience and also the likes of Yengi and Kamari can add that little bit of something different to the fold they've got different spices that they can use at different parts of the season and what's so good about this Portsmouth side is he's been a different player, shine on a different week and that just shows you the togetherness of John Messina and what he's done at that football club in such a short amount of time and one thing that John Messino's side will have to do on Saturday, Henry, is be complacent. We speak about that form, of course. Nothing is a, a dead certainty in any division, none other so than the League One. Um, Fleetwood on Saturday could be that kind of banana skin that you get thrown in at any stage of the season. Exactly. And look, these are the types of tests. And look, we talk about the, the games against top of the league opposition. Of course we do, because they're important matches. But sometimes uh, for a league winning side, these are the ones actually that's the measure. You know, these, these types of games where it could be a little bit difficult, could be a little bit scrappy. And you may just have to try and get out of there 1-0. You know, they're, they're the ones that ultimately dictate when you go to in the league. You know, these types of t uh, sticky tests, you know, teams that finish about fifth or sixth, this is where they come undone. They nick, they, you know, they... 
they get a point when they should have had two more or something like that. You know, this is the big difference. I remember working elsewhere the year that we won we won the league, we won thirteen games by the margin of one nil. And it's those and it's those types of tests where you get put up against it because they raise your game ultimately against you, uh, you know, a side like Fleetwood because they know they got to to get something from the game. And you've got to be on the ball from first minute to last. But if you're Fleetwood, right, you, you look at the game on Tuesday and and think, right, yes, okay, fair enough, it's it's an EFL trophy game and they played a change eleven. But they will say there's possibility, there's a vulnerability when they play a team like that. They can just take their foot off the gas. Well, Pompey got to make sure as they go to a good start and eliminate any kind of thoughts of that. Henry, thank you very much. Nappers, we'll be back with you in just a few moments' time. But it is now time for one final break of this evening's show. But when we return for the conclusion of the Football Hour, we'll gather the final thoughts and score predictions of Henry Deacon and Ben Nappen. Hear more on tomorrow's opponents, Fleetwood, as well as George Wedlake's pre-match chat with Blues boss John Massinho. They obviously haven't clicked for one reason or the other. I think you put all of that together with the fact that they've got a really good uh, coach in Lee Johnson who's coached at a high level and we know that they're very, very capable and very dangerous on the day. So we've got to make sure that we you know, approach it properly. Stick around. We'll be right back. After this, this is the Football Hour on Express FM. The world is your oyster. With many bus routes offering services late into the evening, from 7pm every day you can take advantage of a night Rider ticket, taking you from A to B and everywhere in between. Simply purchase your night Rider ticket on the bus or using the Stagecoach app to get unlimited travel anywhere on the whole of the Stagecoach South. So whether you're out with your mates, catching the latest blockbuster, on a late shift or just enjoying late night bus rides, visit stagecoachbus.com for timetable and ticket information. This is the Football Hour on Express FM. Good evening and welcome back to the Football Hour, where you're tonight joined by myself, Jake Smith, as well as Henry Deacon and Ben Knappman too, as we look forward to Pompey's next League One encounter and their final one this side of Christmas. And there's still time for you to get your thoughts across to us as well. You can reach us on the text 81400 is our number. Start your messages with the word express. Otherwise, there's the emails where sport at expressfm.com is the address to send to. It's at expressfm on Twitter or on Facebook. Go to facebook.com forward slash Live or just search for expressfm. We'll bring Henry and Ben back into the conversation shortly. But first, a few words on tomorrow's visitors to Fratton Park. Here's all you need to know about the fishermen. Fleetwood Town. After Tuesday's capitulation in the EFL Trophy, the Blues are heading straight back to League One duties. Fleetwood Town are the visitors to Fratton Park for match day number 21 of the league campaign. Pompey Live, this week's opposition. Pompey will be hoping to swiftly put the disappointment of their trophy exit behind them and have the comfortable stat of four consecutive league wins to lift the spirits. Let's find out a bit more about Fleetwood Town, who have been gifted the gruelling near 600-mile round trip down south just two days before Christmas. Manager. The managerial situation has changed at Fleetwood since the two sides last clashed heads on Fard Coast back in January, where Scott Brown was in the dugout. Former Barnsley, Bristol City and Sunderland boss Lee Johnson is now in charge, having been appointed on September the 10th, just two weeks after being sacked by Scottish Premiership side Hibernian. The 42-year-old enjoyed a 13-year-long playing career, starting professionally at Brighton and Hove Albion in the year 2000, retiring at the age of 31, after leaving Kilmarnock in January 2013. Since taking charge of the Fishermen, Johnson has secured just six wins from 19 games, drawing four and being defeated on the other nine occasions. One to watch. 26-year-old forward Kabongo Shimanga is one to keep an eye on this weekend. The Peterborough United loney, who was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo, is a quick and powerful attacker who doesn't shy away from running at opposition defences to try and force openings. 
Shimanga is considered a threat despite having not yet found the back of the net in the league this season. He's played 340 minutes of league football since the start of the campaign. The former Oxford United, Borenwood and Chesterfield man, who wears the number 7 for the Fisherman, was not involved in their previous match against his parent club, Peterborough, last Saturday, ineligible as per the terms of a loan deal. Top scorer. Keeping on trend with strikers who have or do still in some way represent the posh, Fleetwood's top scorer at this stage of the season is 29-year-old Jack Marriott. The number 14 began his pro career with Ipswich Town in 2013, though only made two senior appearances for the Tractor Boys across two years. During such time, he was sent out alone on six separate occasions. Appearances and spells for Gillingham, Carlisle United and Colchester United, as well as free loans at Woking alone, set Marriott up for a permanent move away from Portland Road to Kenilworth Road, Luton Town securing his services in 2015. Marriott scored 22 goals in 79 appearances for Luton before moving on to Peterborough and then Derby County, returning to Peterborough for a second spell in 2021. He bagged 13 goals from 49 appearances during his two-year stay at London Road before signing for Fleetwood in January, where he has since scored the same amount of goals but in 17 fewer matches. This season, the forward has claimed five league goals but has failed to score in any other competition, despite playing 351 minutes across the FA Cup, EFL Trophy and Carabao Cup respectively. Current form. To say that Fleetwoods have been in a bit of a rut lately would be quite the understatement. Lee Johnson's side have lost six in a row across all competitions going into this weekend's game, failing to score in any of those matches. The last time the Cod Army scored was in their most recent league victory, which was by a scoreline of three goals to nil at home to Exeter City back on the 11th of November. Since then, they have failed to find the back of the net in over 540 minutes of football and have been dumped out of both the FA Cup and EFL Trophy. In the league, Fleetwood have dropped down into the relegation zone. 20 seconds is where they currently lie with just 16 points on the board. Three more than Rockbottom, Cheltenham Town, but also three behind Exeter, who currently occupy the final remaining safety position. Can Pompey make it five wins from five in the league? Or will free-falling Fleetwood upset the odds and take something from their visit to the South Coast? All of the unmissable action on Pompey Live. More there on Fleetwood Town, managed now by former Sunderland boss Lee Johnson. Ben, we just listened there to the key facts and figures behind this Fleetwood side. Uh, Kabongo Shimanga, our one to watch, and Jack Marriott, the side's top goal scorer too. But who in your mind do you think is most likely to cause Pompey problems this weekend? Kabongo Shimanga, again, hasn't really got kind of the rub of the green. He's only started one game this season in Skybet League, one for the Karami. Chap Marriott is likely to be out, says Lee Johnson, in his pre his post-match uh, press conference after Saturday's defeat to Peterborough. However, Phoenix Patterson is more than likely to step up. An absolutely unbelievable winger. A lot of Porter fans wanting him at their football club. You've already had Paddy, so you can back off. But Phoenix is a player that can get a ball into the box, can beat his man and could deliver a brilliant set piece so Phoenix Patterson for me and Paddy Lane has been a revelation on the south coast since signing from Fleetwood back in January what do you remember from his time on the Fylde coast and do you anticipate a good reception from the travelling card army Paddy Lane, his goals, his assists and his efforts kept us up just two seasons ago. He scored an absolute beauty away at Fratton Park in a 3-3 draw under Stephen Craney where Portsmouth miraculously came from three goals down to rescue a point. Again, the fighting spirit that they've shown so many times this season, but to win games of football... 
and go on an unbelievable run. Paddy is a player that will run hard, work hard for the team, get goals, get assists, and he's an absolute gem on the eye. For me, I'll be clapping him, although I am sad to see him gone. I hope he has an absolutely disaster come Saturday, although he is a little dancer. Right, time now to hear the pre-match thoughts of the gaffer. John Bassinio, he's been catching up with George Wedlake earlier this week, who first asked about Gavin White, his comeback from injury and goal on Tuesday night. Yeah, I thought he looked incredibly sharp when he came on against Bolton. The, the game against Shrewsbury was slightly different. It wasn't too much of a chance at 3-0 to have an impact. And to get his goal the other night, really, really um, you know, big step in the right direction. In a, otherwise, you know, it was, it was a tough night for, for us, obviously. So a couple of bright sparks in there in terms of the goals. And, you know, we, we uh, well, I know probably more than anyone what Gavin's capable of. Goal scoring is a big, big part of his game and uh, he, he's probably always underperformed in that area, but he puts himself in some good positions. His finishing isn't bad. And, yeah, we've got to make sure we, uh, we produce more in terms of assists and goals from Gav. We mentioned Scully coming back. How far off now are some of the other players? Uh, the, so Anthony now obviously ready, um, back, returned, returned to full fitness. Uh, Tom Lowry took a slight knock or a slight setback at the back end of last week, so we're just going to wait on the scan results that he's uh, had today. I don't think it's going to be anything too serious. Conor Ogilvy should be back in full training in a, in a couple of weeks. He's been out for a long time, so not just this injury, but the fact that when he came back from the previous injury, he was only back on the pitch for about eight minutes, so you sort of have to put those two periods together in terms of getting him back to match fitness, if that makes sense. And I think in, you know, all the other the long-term injuries, um, you know, we know that they're long-term, Regan Paul, Josh Dockrell. Um, so... I think that apart from yeah, apart from those uh, apart from those ones, uh, the imminent ones in terms of return to play, Tom Lowry, um, Conor Ogilvy are the ones that we're looking forward to having back pretty soon. Uh, any new injuries to report off the back of Tuesday? Uh, Zach Swanson slightly struggling with his with his groins. Uh, he came off the other night, and it's been sort of a recurring problem that he's had. We thought he got over it um, over the summer, and, and obviously coming back really fit and, and performing well this season. So we're going to have to monitor that and, and see what the outcome of that is. And uh, I'll, I'll speak to Steve about that over the next couple of days. And um, you know, Christian is sort of um, 50-50 at the moment for the weekend. He picked up a knock in uh, at the back end of the game on uh, Tuesday night from uh, one of the tackles that, that went unpunished. And so, yeah, he's, uh, he's suffering a bit because of that. Uh, next up is Fleetwood Town coming to Fratton Park. How are you approaching this one considering the form that they're in at the moment? We're approaching it as we would any other game. We know that they're a dangerous side on their day. Of course, the league position isn't great at the moment and um, you know, they are, they're coming off the back of a, a few losses. But we watched their game of the weekend against Peterborough and they gave Peterborough a really good game. Um, it was a narrow 1-0 win, I think, for, um, for Peterborough. And you know, Fleetwood had a couple of really, really good chances at the end. If you go through their side, they've got some really recognisable names in there. Stockley, Marriott up front. Um, you know, you, you can keep going and, and naming players, um, the likes of Josh Earl, um, Vela. But, you know, they, they obviously haven't clicked for, for one reason or the other. Um, I think you put all of that together with the fact that they've got a really good uh, coach in Lee Johnson, who's coached at a higher level, and we know that they're very, very capable and very dangerous on the day. So we have got to make sure that we, um, you know, approach it properly. We, uh, we do everything we possibly can to you know, put ourselves in a good position to try and win the game. And beyond that, what's the Christmas schedule looking like? Uh, we're in on the, the Christmas Eve, so we, we, we're back in for a debrief and then a bit of a preparation day on Christmas Eve. And then uh, the, the lads have got a programme uh, to do on their own on Christmas Day and then we are travelling on Christmas Day up to Bristol. So I'm um, reporting here, everybody travelling up to, um, to the hotel for a, for a very boring pre-match, I think uh, about half six or seven o'clock. And that's just part of being a footballer, but um, I, can, I can trust the lads. I know they're going to do the right thing over Christmas and... Um, you know, the, the nature of this group at the moment is that we, you know, we don't have to stay on top of them in terms of those sort of things so very very happy to, to trust them and make sure that they um, report on the 26th in good nick
The pre-match thoughts of Blues head coach John Massino there speaking to George Wedlick at the Blues training ground yesterday afternoon. Henry, looking ahead to tomorrow's game in, in a bit more detail, then uh, you expect potentially an unchanged side from the, the side that beat Shrewsbury last weekend by three goals to nil? Or does Colby Bishop, in your eyes, come straight back into the team? Uh, That's ooh, a question, isn't it? That is a question, isn't it, Jake? <laughs> um, it's a difficult one. I think I think if we're talking any other time of the season, I'd say probably, yeah, we might see Colby Bishop back. But there's, there's two factors here for me. A, we've got a lot of games coming up over Christmas. And B, we need to make sure that Colby Bishop is 100% fit in January because we're going to probably lose Yenge to to the Asian Cup. And that's going to be another factor in our season. So we need to make sure he's 100% fit for that particular stage of the season. And also, is it worth rushing him straight back in when you know you're going to have Boxing Day 29th? A lot of travelling to do in those two games as well, going down to the southwest uh, twice in, in a short space of time. For me, I'd, I'd keep Yengi in for one more game and then maybe assess it on Boxing Day, just on, on the basis of those factors. If it's any other time of the season where you've got Saturday to Saturday, I'd have no issue no issue bringing Corby Bishop back in. But I, I just think on the, the base of games coming up and the fact we need to keep him fit for that crucial January period, mm. I'd just side with uh, with Yengi for now. Were you surprised to see Colby Bishop brought off the bench on Tuesday against Wimbledon in the trophy? Albeit, you know, John Massino wanting to try and claw something back from the game. Um, you know, even speaking in his post-match interview, highlighted that the, the league is for priority. So was Colby Bishop being brought on as a sub for the final, was it 15, 20 minutes of the game? A bit of a risk, not something that obviously has, has been a detrimental effect to Pompey, but one that potentially could have been avoided. Pre-match... I would say, yeah, probably would be a good idea to give him some minutes here and there. But uh, my biggest worry was, as we were getting towards the end of that game, it was getting a bit bitty, it was getting a bit ratty, and it was getting a little bit ill-tempered. And that's the type of game where you're always one challenge away from there be, for being something late, something rash, something really ill-tempered, and, and something that could cause an injury. That was my biggest concern about the game. The game on Tuesday, it was, it was really, really ratty for, for a game of that nature. But look, he's come on, he got, he got 11 minutes plus the stoppages under his belt. So look, he's, he's got some minutes under his belt, so he's, he, you know, he's got himself back in the frame of mind. I say, it wouldn't surprise if he starts Saturday, it could be too, too soon in the fact that the match is to come. But look, to, to have him back, firing, fit. That that's a that's a great option now. But what what we've also learned is is if we were out Colby for one, we don't want to be, but we've got we've got people in place that can still do the job. Logan on Twitter saying I was really impressed with Denver Hume on Tuesday night, um, and another one here, Cliff Pledge, uh, saying blimey, the last time the visiting team scored five goals at Portsmouth was uh, Henry's ass. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's going on the bingo. By Henry, I mean Henri. Thierry Henri. Will I read that again? I think you should try again. Cliff Bledge on Twitter saying, Blimey, last time a visiting team scored five goals at Portsmouth was Henri's Arsenal 20 seasons ago. Fair play to Wimbledon. Pompey had a shocker. Good atmosphere despite the 5-2 mauling. Um... <laughs> I'll tell you what, you did well to say that. That could have gone wrong, couldn't it? Uh, could, it could have gone wrong, yeah. Henri. Henri. Thierry Henri. Who's Henry? You're Henry. I'm Henry. I didn't I'm... know you played for Arsenal. I tell you what, I ain't got a white foot like this. That's all I'll say. I don't know. Yeah, no, you ain't. You're no, right. no, definitely not. Right, score predictions time then. Uh, Steve on Facebook going for a 3-0 Pompey win against Fleetwood tomorrow. Mark on the emails is going for uh, a 2-1 Blues victory. But what about two guests think tonight? Henry Deacon, please. Your score prediction. 
I'm going to go KG tentative, but Pompey get over the line 2 0. Headers, thank you. Ben Nutman, as, as a Fleetwood fan, what's your score prediction then, please? I'd love to go positive. However, we are playing a really good side in good form at Fratton Park just before Christmas. The fans are going to be electric as ever. And that's something that, again, has helped Portsmouth, fan, uh, Portsmouth this season. The, the 12th man, whenever they've got a goal down or two goals down, they've just got behind the team. And when, when it's got tough, Portsmouth fans have got tougher and got going. I do think you'll beat us. I think it'll be a 2-0 Portsmouth win. Nappers, thanks ever so much for calling in tonight. Great to have your perspective and look ahead to tomorrow's game too. Have a safe journey down and have a great Christmas. Well, that's it for the football hour tonight but Pompey Live returns with all of the action as Pompey take on Fleetwood Town tomorrow afternoon from 3pm that is the kickoff at Fratton Park I am taking a few games off Henry Deacon you're stepping up to the plate I'm so sorry everybody <laughs> yeah apologies for that I won't be there for, for tomorrow's game I'll, I'll be there but I won't be in the press box and uh, Bristol Rovers were missing out on that one to spend so much needed time with the family Matt Drabble will be joining Robbie James at the Memorial Stadium on Boxing Day Henry Deacon enjoy the game tomorrow thank you very much for your contributions tonight it's been a pleasure as always always a thrill Henry will be alongside Robbie James and Sherelle Cassell at Fratton Park from 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. All the unmissable action. This is Pompey Live. Portsmouth's run in the EFL Trophy came to an end in dramatic fashion. al Hamadi makes it five. Portsmouth are very much heading out. Wimbledon lead Portsmouth 5-2. Next up for the Blues, it's back to league action as they welcome a struggling Fleetwood Townside to Fratton Park. Join us for all of the unmissable action Saturday from 2. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. Yes, catch all of the unmissable action as Pompey hosts Fleetwood Town in League One tomorrow afternoon from 2. I'm taking a couple of games off, but we'll be back on Pompey Live for the trip to Exeter next Friday night. A big thank you to all of our listeners tonight, as well as those who got in touch via the socials too, and my guests for this evening's show as well, Henry Deacon and Ben Knappen. A reminder then of when you can next catch the Football Hour over the festive period. This coming Monday from 6 o'clock sounds just about normal, right? Well, we're retaining our Monday night slot next week, despite that being Christmas Day. I'll be keeping you company with a review of tomorrow's game and a look ahead to the Boxing Day clash with Bristol Rovers, as well as plenty in between too. Then, next Thursday evening from 6 with a preview of a Blues trip to Exeter on the Friday night, before seeing out 2023 with a bang on New Year's Eve. As they say, there's no rest for the wicked, and there's certainly no rest for those working in football. Well, coming up next here on Express FM tonight, Steve Randall presents School Days up until 9 when Hip Shaker returns through to 11. Ian McGuinness wakes you up with a show he likes to call Saturday Breakfast tomorrow morning from 8, carrying you through to Lily Park at 11. Pompey Dive is back from 2 with coverage of this weekend's visit to Fleetwood. And like I say, you can catch the football hour next on Christmas Day at the usual time of 6pm. But until then, Blues fans, have yourself a great weekend. I'd love to be able to have you listen in on Christmas Day, but if you aren't about, well... I suppose I can let you off on this occasion. Have yourselves a very Merry Christmas. Steve Randall follows the news. Good night.